Welcome to the Oceanside Sanctuary Podcast. We're continuing our new series titled The Abundant Community. Throughout this series, we're exploring justice through generosity. The text for today's teaching is found in Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, a passage that is often abused to take advantage of those from a low socioeconomic status. Listen now as Pastor Jason Coker brings to light the type of equality that should be among those who consider themselves Christians based on the words of Jesus. So, uh, as you might have guessed, one of my least favorite things to do in church is talk about giving because I think it's often done very poorly. And one of the passages that I think is often greatly misused and abused is this particular passage. So we're going to read it together. We're going to put it up on the screen, but it's Luke chapter 21, starting in verse 1, says this, He looked up and saw rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. This is Jesus, by the way. Jesus is in the temple courts. He's made his way into Jerusalem, and he's been doing a lot of teaching around this issue of how there is a stark difference between the elites and the regular folks walking around in the community. And so this is just part of that sort of larger context of teaching. He looked up and he saw rich people putting gifts into the treasury for the temple, that is. And he also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. Some of your Bibles might say mites. Because in Jesus' day, during that time, in the culture that he was in, in the ancient Near East, there were two small coins called mites, and together they would make sort of the smallest unit of monetary measurement for that day. You actually had to have two of these to make like one small unit of monetary value. It'd be sort of like, instead of a penny, if we had two coins that together made a penny, that's essentially what a mite was for them at that time. She puts these two small copper coins in the treasury. Jesus says, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more than all of them. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in all she had to live on. And I love this passage, and I actually don't love this passage all at the same time. One of the reasons I don't love this passage is Janelle and I spent uh, on, about four years on staff at a very large church in Columbus, Ohio. And when we were in Columbus, Ohio, I learned a couple interesting things about Columbus. The first is, I don't remember the exact number, but it's like 12. There are like 12 churches in Columbus that are the biggest church in the world in their respective denomination. So they're like like a dozen denominations for whom the biggest church in the world in their denomination is in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, the biggest church in our former denomination is in Columbus, Ohio. There are about 15,000 people who are part of that church. And there are a dozen or so churches in Columbus that are that big. It's just, it's middle America, right? So it's sort of the intersection of everything that is like baseball and mom and apple pie and everything that's America all converges on Columbus. Wouldn't you agree? Alex is from Columbus, right? And one of the interesting things about being steeped in a culture that is so thoroughly Christian and American 
is that you see all varieties of Christianity on display. One of my favorite things to do in Columbus when we lived there would be to turn on the TV and go to the Christian channel. Now, we're in Southern California, so it's hard to find a Christian channel here. But in Columbus, there are like three. So you turn on that channel on the TV, and there is always a televangelist on TV, and he is always shouting about something, and it's usually always money. Like, they're always trying to get people to give money. And I would watch it sort of like, like anybody here watch racing, like NASCAR? I mean, let's admit it. You watch NASCAR because you think there might be a big wreck, right? Like you're on the, you're on the edge of your seat expecting something terrible to happen. Part of you doesn't want something terrible to happen. Part of you really wants something crazy and terrible to happen. You can't help it. That's just human nature. There's even a German word for it. It's schadenfreude, right? It means taking delight in other people's pain. You can deny it if you want to, but we all have that inside of us, right? For me, my, I would like, I would like uh, exercise my schadenfreude by watching televangelists on TV. Because they would get on there and they'd do crazy things. Like they would say, they have vials of holy water, right? It's like water taken from the River Jordan and then somebody blessed it and prayed over it or fainted over it or prophesied over it. And they had like cases full of this water and these little vials that had like a little gold lid that you could hang around your neck on a gold chain. And this little vial of triple blessed prophesied holy water from the River Jordan could be yours for as little as a donation of, you know, $500 or something like that. And I would just be like, holy cow. And then they would get on TV and they would say, you know, if you take this holy water and you put some of it on your finger and dab a little bit behind your ears, right? Like money will start appearing in your checking account and you will start attracting a beautiful mate. And like they make all kinds of crazy promises. It really is like watching a train wreck. And inevitably, Whenever they're really appealing for people to give lots of money, they will go to Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, and they will read this passage, and they will say, See, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has given more than all of them. And so the, the natural, I guess, conclusion is, no matter how poor you are, God calls you to give. In fact, she gave and had nothing to give. She, she gave everything she had. So therefore, Miss Betty, I know you ain't got much money in your account, right? Or Nicole or Janelle or whoever, right? Whatever amount of money you have in your account, if you will just give out of it, then God will honor you like God honored the widow. And that's really powerful stuff. Now, that wouldn't work here because you all don't take anything I say seriously. <laughs> it's one of my favorite jokes. I know we're not in a cult because none of you do what I say. <laughs> but in other places, when somebody stands up front and speaks this way and reads these words, folks are terribly susceptible to being controlled and coerced. Maybe you've noticed that before. And so I struggle with this passage because I know how it's often really abused and misused. And in some ways, I guess this makes this almost a, an extension of my previous sermon series. What I want to ask you to do is if you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to back up right before Luke chapter 21 because I want to look at sort of the bigger picture here, the, 
The passage is not going to be on the screen, so if you don't have a Bible with you, that's fine. You can just listen. But prior to this passage about the widow's might, Jesus says something, I think, that, that helps us to understand what it is that he's trying to say. Luke chapter 20, verse 45, says this, In the hearing of all the people, he, that is Jesus, said to the disciples, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. These are, of course, the wealthy elites in Jesus' day. These are the people who have all the power, who have all the money, who have the nicest clothes, who sit in seats of power. Jesus says, beware of them, for they walk around, try to attract a lot of attention to themselves. And then he goes on to say something pretty harsh. Verse 4, he says, they devour widows' houses. They devour widows' houses. And for the sake of appearance, they say long prayers. And they will receive the greater condemnation. So right before Jesus praises a widow for giving her two mites, he is talking about how the wealthy elite in his day actually devour what little the widows have. Jesus does this all the time, by the way, in the Gospel of Mark, before this particular encounter in the temple. In the Gospel of Mark, verse, or excuse me, chapter 7, Uh, Verse 9, Jesus says this about the very same people. Then he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. This is when Jesus is being uh, accused of not keeping the traditions of his people. This is when the the experts in the law are condemning Jesus because his disciples don't, uh, uh, don't practice ceremonial washing before they eat. And Jesus says, Yeah, you guys are hypocrites. Verse 10, for Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father and mother must surely die. But you say that if anyone uh, tells their father and mother, whatever support you might have from me is korban, that is an offering to God, then you are no longer permitted to do anything for a father or mother. This is making void the word of God through the tradition that you have handed down. Here's what's going on here. I know this is a little bit odd for you to hear because most of us aren't Jewish in the room, but the part of the tradition here is that they could take whatever money, whatever riches, whatever resources they have, they can set aside a huge chunk of it and call it dedicated to God, that is korban. And because it's dedicated to God, those funds are not available to be used for the assistance that their parents or the elderly or the widows might need. In other words, it's like the original huge tax loophole, right? You take all that money and you park it into like a special account. You call that account Corban. And now you don't owe any of that money to the poor. You don't owe any of that money to your mother and father who are getting aged and struggling because you can say, oh, I only have a little bit when in reality, the enormous wealth you have has been set aside and protected. Jesus is saying, that's hypocrisy. And what I love about that passage is Jesus reveals very clearly what the whole purpose of honoring your father and mother are. 
It doesn't mean, and for those of you who are parents, I apologize if I'm about to take away your favorite little like weapon, but <laughs> it doesn't mean that your kids have to speak nicely about you all the time in public. I mean, that's nice too. I like it when my kids say good things about me, but that's not the point. Jesus reveals that the whole purpose of honoring your mother and father is that when they get to be old enough that they're really in need of assistance, guess whose job it is to take care of them? It's yours. Right. <laughs> Not steal their wealth. This is getting to be like a, like we need a, like a couch in here. It's like a therapy session. So, so Jesus reveals that that the spirit of these laws is that we would create a community where the most vulnerable among us are cared for. This is the context of the, the passage about the widow's might. Jesus isn't saying, hey, even those of you who are desperately, abjectly poor can give what you have. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying the whole purpose of the people of God is to become a community who care for those who need it. That's what it means to honor your father and mother. As we get older, we need some help. And so you honor them by helping to care for them. That's what it means to honor widows and orphans as, as they become people who are desperately in need in the community. You use your abundance to make sure that they are being assisted, to make sure that they have what they need. So, so this shows us that there is a deep irony, actually, in this story of the widow's might. And the irony is this. That religion, which is meant to help take care of those who are poor and struggling, is being used to actually exploit the widow. Because that tradition is saying, yeah, we know that you don't have much, but we need you to give anyway. Now, no pastor in his right mind has ever said this on the day that we're talking about fundraising. A couple of elders are like, why is he saying this? I'm saying this not because I'm trying to let anybody off the hook for like giving to the church. I'm saying this because what we do here is not about trying to like build our coffers. What we're supposed to be doing here is using the abundance of some to make up for the lack of others. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what the story of man in the desert is all about. It's what Isaiah 40 is all about. Last week we read Isaiah 40, the prophecy from Isaiah that says, and in those days, right, the high places, the mountains shall be made low and the valleys shall be raised up. Like God is not saying literally one day the earth is going to be flat. And I know there are folks who say that. He's saying, no, that the high places, the mountains are are symbolic, they're representative of those who have too much. And the valleys, the low places, are symbolic of those who don't have enough. Our job in the church is to create equality. It's to create equality. And that is what Jesus is condemning in the widow's might. Jesus is not so much honoring the widow as he is shaming the rich. He's not afraid to do that. He's not afraid to say, this is what you're supposed to do when you have too much. You're supposed to do what this person in her poverty is willing to do. 
One of my favorite little bits about this passage is the way that Jesus transitions to the very next thing. Verse 5. This is right after he makes his comment about the widow's might. When some were speaking about the temple and how it was adorned and beautiful and stones and gifts dedicated to God, he said, wait, I'm not going to tell you what he said yet. Just, Just think about the context. Right after Jesus points out the irony of how religion is being used by the rich to victimize the poor, right after he uses a widow's offering to shame the wealthy elites, right after that, somebody says, look at this beautiful temple, though. Well, that's, that's why they brought it up. Because they're talking about money. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 these folks are missing it. We're not not here to take money from poor people. We're here to take money from rich people and give it to the poor. And they say, but what about this building? Look how beautiful it is. Look at the stones that adorn it. Look how amazing it is. I mean, what about that? Jesus says, as for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. He's saying, what are you giving for? Are you giving to this building? Because that's going to go away someday. He's not just making an apocalyptic prediction, although that's part of it. He's saying, get your priorities straight. These things don't last. I love this building as much or more than any of you. Janelle and I personally refinished these wood floors late one night when we needed to get it done. We have poured our blood, our sweat, and like literally our blood and our sweat into this building. But this is not what it's about. It's nice to have a nice place to gather. But we don't gather and throw in the pot, whatever it is that we have, so that we can make this place super nice. We do it so that we can help meet people's needs. And a building is useful for that. But if this place burns to the ground tomorrow, we can still keep building a community of generosity and equality and goodness. And we will. If we have to stand on the street corner, we'll do that. That's why we're here. That's why we give. And if at some point our priorities get shifted, if at some point we are making rich people even richer by squeezing poor people for more money, then it's time to find a new pastor. It's time to find a new staff. Because that's not what this is about. The people of God exist to help other people's lives become better. Not to make them worse. Too many churches make people's lives worse. So don't let that happen here. And if you want to give, give. The offering box is right there. But it's not just about the money. It's about creating a community of caring and love. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for today and for this opportunity to gather 
and to lift up our hearts in worship to you. God, we pray on this day, as we gather around a table of grace, as we sang our hearts out, as we lit candles and prayed for families in agonizing pain, we ask God that you would break our hearts for the low places in this community. That we would not be caught up in all the glitter and the glitz of this community that is often chasing after wealth and prestige, but that we would continue to roll up our sleeves and do what it takes to help folks who are in need. That we would become a community of abundance. We would take what you have given us and that we would make things right. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.